The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit www.gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff, and I'm the host of the podcast, as well as a student here at the seminary. And I have with me in the studio, Caleb Cangelosi, associate pastor at Pear Orchard PCA in Ridgeland, Mississippi, and founder and owner of the Log College Press. Caleb, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Zach. It's great to be with you. Today, we are going to be discussing uh, his is what I call labor of love, the Log College Press, and the work that the press is doing to retrieve and republish uh, material from the past, specifically from American Presbyterian history, but also other uh, other outside of American traditions to some degree, and to to really promote the work because it's near and dear to the heart of Greenville Seminary and our friends. And in case you haven't heard of it yet, or if you don't know much about the work of Log College Press, I really want you to to learn about it and to benefit from this labor of love that Caleb and a few of his friends and associates have been uh, have been working at and 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 making available to us. Caleb, to kick off our conversation here, uh, can you answer this question? What is Log College Press? So Log College Press is uh, both a website and a publishing company. Uh, the goal is to collect and to reprint uh, as many of the, the writings of and about 18th and 19th century American Presbyterians as possible, uh, probably with the emphasis there on collect. Uh, we, we currently have uh, about 2,900 uh, different titles from uh, over uh, 500 American Presbyterians on the website, uh, arranged by author. Um, and we have reprinted uh, seven titles, six booklets and a book uh, by uh, 18th and 19th century American Presbyterians. So uh, we are uh, desirous to uh, sort of do what uh, the PRDL, the Post-Reformation Digital Library, uh, did for uh, that that genre, that uh, time period in history, gathering, collecting uh, the works of American Presbyterianism in one place, kind of a one-stop shop uh, for everyone who's interested in the primary sources uh, and our Presbyterian heritage, uh, with the goal to uh, not just to let people have access to these uh, to these works, you know, as a historical uh, reality, but also to to benefit from them uh, in our own ministries and our own Christian lives. So uh, on our website, uh, sort of, I guess, a slogan that, that the past is not dead, primary sources are not inaccessible, American Presbyterians are not irrelevant, or if, to put it more positively, uh, the past is alive, primary sources are accessible, and American Presbyterians have, have much to teach us today. Um, and so uh, we believe that as we uh, take root in the past, as we uh, ground ourselves uh, in the work of God in the past. Uh, we will bear fruit in the present and into the future. Uh, and so, um, I guess some some inspirations uh, for me in starting this were, like I said, PRDL, and then also obviously Banner of Truth, Sprinkle, uh, Solid Ground. Just folks who have reprinted uh, our American Presbyterian. Uh, fathers in the faith, and I, I wanted to continue to do that. You mentioned that uh, part of the inspiration of the work is from these other publishers who are already doing some of this, what we call it, retrieval work. 
in your words and to your mind, what is the great importance or imperative of Christians today looking to Christians of the past and retrieving the material that they've produced for our own edification? Well, I, I think about the great impact that Banner and Truth in particular has had uh, over the, the past many decades, uh, bringing back, reclaiming the uh, 16th and 70, 17th century Puritans and even some of the uh, 18th and 19th century American Presbyterians as well, and, and what an impact that has had upon the church for good. Uh, and so uh, I was a, a history major at, at LSU, and I've always enjoyed reading, I've always enjoyed history, and so there is just a historical component. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. We live in a time when these primary sources are uh, available through archive.org and Google Books and uh, you know, other library scans and, and things are being digitized. And so we live in a pretty amazing time when you don't have to go to a library any longer. Uh, the library is there online. And, and so uh, there is a value in primary source research, or primary source reading, uh, that you're not just reading uh, about these men, but you can read their own writings. And, uh, and so I guess the historian in me, uh, even if there were no benefit, I just love the, the fact of being able to collect these primary sources. But there is great benefit. There is great spiritual edification uh, as, we, as we read, as we meditate, uh, and, not, and not just to see uh, and to learn um, you know, positively, but even to, uh, to see things not to do and, and not to think. Uh, and so we need to learn from the past. We need to uh, recognize that these men, uh, like us, uh, were justified sinners. They were, uh, in, in a lot of ways, more godly than, than we are. And so we have much to, to learn from them. Um, and so the, the value of, of reclaiming, sort of, you know, unburying and, and reminding ourselves uh, of, of, our, of our past is, is great. I, I think about some of what we're trying to do with Law College Press is to, to gather, you know, the writings, as many as we can find. And so there are a lot of, of, of greater lights, we might say, that, that folks like Banner and others have, have brought out. But there are a whole lot of lesser lights um, that, that aren't as well known, but have written a lot and did uh, wrote things that, that have great value. And so uh, part of what we're doing on the website and the, the blog is to just alert folks, hey, check this out, read this, uh, don't miss this, this work. Um, there's some people I've never heard of before until we started this, and, uh, and I'm sure we'll keep finding it. So uh, we need to learn uh, from the past, and, uh, and that's one of our goals with Log College Press is to, uh, to continue to, to say this is our American Presbyterian heritage, and, and we need to know it. Uh, it's funny. It's ironic, I guess. It seems like sometimes we know the, the English and Scottish Puritans better than we do our own American Presbyterian uh, fathers in the faith, uh, even though they're, you know, not as long ago and certainly not as far away. Um, and so that's one of the joys is realizing that even around the corner, you know, just a century ago, a century and a half ago, some of these men were, were ministering in, in our own backyards. You know, a thought comes to mind. I recently listened to Carl Truman's um, lectures that he delivered at Westminster Seminary in California, the, the, the Dendelk Lectures named after their second president after his retirement. And Carl, um, or Dr. Truman, I should say rather, um, you know, show him all due respect. Dr. Truman gave his second lecture on problems in seminaries of becoming theologically inbred, 
so to speak. And one, and really, he the only solution he offered, because he said he's speaking as a historian. Historians don't offer solutions. They offer analyses, da-da-da-da-da. He's being cheeky about that. But he gave one very good recommendation to seminary students to fight against becoming balkanized and siloed out in, in your own little theological bubble. And he said, read broadly, read outside of your tradition. I think we can add to that and say that we should read broadly in terms of chronology. You know, C.S. Lewis made this point in his essay. Um, I think it was the essay introducing um, Athanasius' On the Incarnation. It might have been a different essay, but I know he's made the point in various places that the modern man is especially prone to chronological snobbery, where we, we want the new, the latest, the best. And... Um, the work you're doing and the work that Banner of Truth has been doing, that Reformation Heritage Books does, that CCEL and PRDL and Monergism.com and, and so many other faithful brothers and sisters, Sprinkle Publications, Sawground Christian Books, like you said, uh, Clock and Clock, Classic Reprints, and, and, and Sully Deo Gloria Publications in the past, that work is so crucial to allow us to read broadly outside of our time. And I, and I love that that image of not just getting outside of your theological party, though that's important, and I commend that and think that's good advice from Dr. Truman, but also reading outside of your time, understanding there's a different perspective or there's a perspective much more broad or, or outside of 20th, 21st century, even Reformed theology. And so I really appreciate the work you're doing couple things. I, I want to hear a little bit about the sourcing of the material, and I think that'd be beneficial for our listeners as well. But when you go to logcollegepress.com, everything's conventionally spelled L-O-G-C-O-L-L-E-G-E-P-R-E-S-S.com, logcollegepress.com. The very first image that captures your mind, it's part of the name, it's part of the little uh, graphic logo, it's part of the background picture on the website, is a big log college. Uh, it's, a, it's a big log cabin, like a two-story log cabin. What is the significance of that? How did you come to this name? Well, uh, the Log College was one of uh, the earliest, if not the earliest, uh, quote, seminaries. It was in the you know, 1720s when William Tennant uh, founded a, essentially a, a, a study center in his house. And it was a precursor to, to Princeton in some way, not perhaps direct. But, uh, and so as I was thinking about you know, this idea of needing a name and uh, I tried several names, but uh, I realized, you know, the Log College, uh, as a, a school, uh, probably never had a press. And uh, when we think about university presses and college presses, it, it seemed to fit. Uh, but it also uh, pointed back to, uh, in a beautiful way, the the history of the Presbyterian Church, and, and as well the, uh, you know, the, the somewhat academic and pastoral emphasis that I was hoping uh, to to do with with this. The uh, I think the, the the writings that we've published uh, are for all believers, but there is a particular emphasis uh, on pastoral ministry and the things that we have actually published uh, and and seminary students. And so um, uh, it's it's neat to to think about an, an extension of, uh, of of even our earliest uh, seminary and and educational uh, efforts to uh, to give those men you know though dead they still speak and. Uh, American Presbyterianism has always uh, been committed to um, educated ministry and to teaching, to preaching, and so one of the ways that that has been manifested is in 
not just in pulpit work, but in uh, the work of the pen and writing. And so it's a, a great joy to be able to reclaim uh, and to recover and to collect in one place all of those uh, old PDFs that have now been, been digitized, whether it's books or articles or uh, journals, newspapers. Um, and so, so there, yeah, there's definitely significance to that title. A lot of people will confuse it. I uh, call it Log Cabin Press, and which makes sense, I guess, when you see the logo as well. But uh, and that's just an opportunity to talk to to folks about uh, our Presbyterian heritage and and even sort of the the story of American Presbyterianism starting up in there in Pennsylvania. Um, so we I started this out of a uh, you know desire to to both have one place where all the uh, the works that we found online could be housed and as well as an, op an opportunity to uh, to publish you know a select handful of things that that maybe wouldn't make the cut for a larger publishing house uh, but uh, on a smaller scale uh, might still be worthy of, of reprint so I hope that that we've done that and we'll continue to, to be able to do that I want us to talk about some of those projects but before we do I am very curious how did the press, come about? Was this just your idea and you ran with it? Or did you have a group of people um, coming coming together around uh, a shared vision for retrieving American Presbyterian literature? I guess some of both. I, as I said, I was, I was a history major at LSU. I've always enjoyed reading, enjoyed books. I, I was exposed you know, to our American Presbyterian tradition in college and seminary. I went to RTS here in, the Jackson, in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, men like Bebo Elkin and Ligon Duncan and Duncan Rankin, Andy Hoffecker uh, were my professors and uh, mentors. And uh, actually in 2001, uh, Duncan Rankin took a group of us on a Southern Presbyterian tour there in, in South Carolina. Uh, and um, I met Dr. Nick Wilburn on that trip, in fact. And uh, my first call was in Columbia, Mississippi, uh, 2003 to 2007. And I, I was reading the life and letters of Benjamin Morgan Palmer and I noticed as I read that there were several other uh, sketches from a pastor's portfolio in the, the Southwestern Presbyterian magazine, uh, along with some other articles that he had written. And so I, I got the microfiche from Montreat. I transcribed them um, sort of the old fashioned way, you know, there at the library. Uh, and Nick actually helped me to get them published uh, with Banner under the title, The Selected Writings of Benjamin Morgan Palmer. And so I think that sort of whet my appetite for this primary source material that's you know, hidden away in archives, hidden away in newspapers. Uh, and I also had done some work with Wayne Sparkman at the PCA Historical Center. And there were other ideas of material that I would have loved to have seen you know, get reprinted and uh, men that I wanted to see get reprinted, but ideas never really got traction with any publishers. And along the same time, I started working uh, in 2011 on my THM at Puritan Reform Seminary. And I thought I was going to do uh, my thesis on the life and writings of William Swan Plummer, uh, one of my favorite 19th century Presbyterians. And uh, that's not what I ended up doing my thesis on. But as I was uh, thinking about that, I tried to locate as many of his writings as I could from different libraries and online. And I had started a little website uh, to post what I'd found. Um, and so that was sort of, I think, when the idea began to percolate in some conversation with Wayne Sparkman. And it wouldn't be neat if there was sort of one-stop shop for all the extant digital writings that we can find online or in libraries. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, my church uh, took it, we started a new website uh, using Squarespace 
Uh, and I realized this would be perfect for what I was envisioning an American Presbyterian digital library site to look like. And also realized I could use it to sell books. And, and so it just sort of all came together where, uh, you know, the, these two desires to reprint um, some of these older works, but then also to collect and gather, I realized I could kind of do it all in one. Um, and so I started, you know, slowly, uh, this was sort of a side hobby, just something I love to do at night and weekends and on the side. And I was writing a blog and posting on social media, building the website. And all of a sudden uh, I got contacted by, I think one of Greenville's either, I don't know if he's a current student, certainly a former student, Zach Dotson, uh, who uh, reached out to me and offered to help me. And so he was helping me. And then he connected me with a man named Andrew Myers, who continues to, to help as the website manager. He's an amazing historian uh, of American Presbyterianism. He, he's the one who actually writes now the majority of the, the near daily blog posts, and he's uploaded probably the majority of the works on the site. And the neat thing about uh, Andrew, one thing, he is uh, in the, the, the Reformed Presbyterian tradition. And so, you know, my specialty, I guess, would have been Northern and Southern Presbyterianism, but he's brought uh, a whole slew of authors from the Reformed Presbyterian tradition uh, and made the site so much. Uh, richer than it would have been if it was just me. And so uh, so right now, the two of us are, are the ones who are uploading everything and finding things and, and folks will send us ideas. And, um, and along the way, we've been able to, you know, I've been able to publish a few, a few, I guess, seven titles, as I said. And so that's been fun as well. I've learned a ton about a lot of things. You know, Zach is still a student here at Greenville Seminary and he, like, um, like Andrew, is in the RPCNA. And if you want to, um, if you want to learn about any obscure figure in American or Reformed history, um, Zach's your man. I mean, he is, he, he's happy to oblige your curiosity on that score. Well, that, that's wonderful. I'm glad you have a team that's working with you, uh, that, there are, that there are a group of like-minded men who, who are laboring together to retrieve these important works and to bring them to bear in our lives and in our scholarship. Do you, do you all discriminate at all in terms of what you post? Like, is it just conservative, Bible-believing American Presbyterians, or do you, do you even include lat, more latitudinarian, um, progressive, new school, uh, liberal new school authors as well? I know there are conservative new school authors from the past too, so I'm not just lumping new school theology in with latitudinarianism. But um, do, you, do you all discriminate at all and, and try to preserve the very best, or do you just put it all out there and let, let your readers kind of sort out who's who and who's what? Yeah, it pr probably more of the latter, uh, because there, there is a, a sense in which this is sort of a, a historical endeavor, um, you know, and we're, we're archiving the past. And so we just want to gather it all, um, you know, the good, the bad, the, and the ugly. Uh, now, I, I will say we, we haven't uh, put any Charles Finney on our site yet. Uh, you know, there, so there certainly have been some things that we that we haven't done, but there are some Cumberland Presbyterians on there. Um, uh, you know, Charles Briggs is on there. I mean, there, there are some folks that we, in an old school tradition, would not agree with. Um, uh, you know, obviously there's uh, Southern Presbyterians who have written, you know, things on race and slavery that we wouldn't agree with today, and and yet that's part of our past, part of our history. And so we're not trying to uh, keep that stuff. Uh, some of those skeletons in the closet, we need to, we need to be able to read, uh, you know, to the sources, ad fontis, and be able to read for ourselves what they had to say. Uh, so, but I, I guess there is, in terms of what we, what we blog about, what we, um, 
you know, using the way of an encouragement. And we try to, uh, we're definitely coming from an, an old school uh, perspective. Um, and, and so, but there is that historical uh, archival uh, purpose to, to what we're doing there on the website as well. Shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk about some of the projects that you all have executed. Um, of course, we have just this treasure trove of 29, over 2,900 titles that are now digitally available from 500 different authors, but you also have some printed works. So let's start with the printed works. What books have you published, and, uh, and are there any in particular that you want to highlight today? So we've done six booklets and uh, a book, a small book. Um, I guess I'll start with the book. Uh, it's, I guess, one of the, one of the things I'd want to highlight. Francis James Grimke, uh, who was a pastor uh, in Washington, D.C. for 50 years. He's an African-American, uh, kind of overlapped uh, the turn of the, the, the you know, from the, the 19th century into the 20th century. Um, you know, when we think about the fact that we don't, know our Presbyterian forefathers very well. We certainly don't know our African-American Presbyterian forefathers very well. Uh, and so this, um, this book was, I collected it from a larger, much larger volume entitled Stray Thoughts and Meditations. And the book is entitled Meditations on Preaching, the book that we published, Meditations on Preaching. And uh, it's so encouraging uh, to see uh, a man, you know, 100 years ago, um, and his thoughts on on preaching that uh, are are so similar to our own and and what what he's committed to. Uh, so that book I think is just a rich blessing. Uh, it, it's it's sort of a devotional. It's not something you would read necessarily from cover to cover. Uh, you would read uh, you know just portions of it, even every Lord's Day morning before you preach. Um, so Francis Grimke's Meditations on Preaching is a uh, a great uh, blessing. Uh, the other, probably my, probably my favorite work that, that we've published is Archibald Alexander's, uh, we've, we've called it Aging and Grace. It was his letters to the aged. Uh, and he uh, wrote these five letters uh, to those who were, were growing old, and that's all of us. Uh, and so that book, I feel, has such a broad reach, way beyond, you know, just for Presbyterians. Uh, it's for every single Christian. And it hits it on a topic that we don't have enough reflection on, you know, even as pastors, um, and, and, and it's a, a work that, uh, I think we didn't, it, it was included, Archibald Alexander wrote this, included it in a, a later edition of his book on the religious experiences. And so it was sort of a gem to find and, and because it's so rich, it's, I'm really thankful that we were able to, to publish that. And, um, we've done some others, uh, just one that, that the Greenville Seminary, uh, theology, conference gave away uh, Samuel Miller's introduction to the Synod of Dort. Um, another one that's been very popular uh, by Cornelius Washington Grafton, uh, who was a pastor for 61 years in a small uh, country church here in Mississippi. Uh, after his 43rd year, he, he was elected moderator of the General Assembly. And, and this was this booklet that we reprinted was his moderator's address. And so uh, for anyone ministering in a, in a small church or a small town, uh, Grafton's words are, are richly encouraging. Um, and then another one that folks have appreciated uh, is Thomas Dwight Witherspoon, his Five Points of Presbyterianism, uh, which was a, an address that he gave uh, in Kentucky, uh, but uh, we've published it standalone uh, with thanks to Wayne Sparkman, uh, who, had, who had actually already digitized it online. And it's a, 
a great succinct summary of, of what we believe as Presbyterians and the beauty of Presbyterianism. Um, so, and then a couple others uh, on pastoral ministry in, in general, but, uh, but those uh, are some of the ones that, that I want to highlight that I, I'm thankful that we still, you know, have for sale and that folks can, can get and, uh, and, and be blessed by. I want to point something out as, as you just talk about the published uh, works that you guys have, have put out there. None of these are going to be bestsellers. Think about the topics. You have a booklet on preaching, uh, med- really meditations on preaching, a devotional work on preaching, not a technical manual. You have uh, a, a book containing an address of uh, reminiscing on a, a, an extremely long tenure in a country church in one place. You have another book on the distinctives of Presbyterianism as the biblical form of church government. And then you have a, a historical introduction to the Synod of Dort. These would probably rank as four of the least popular subjects of modern, even reformed literature in recent years. And what does that tell us, again, about reading outside of ourselves, reading outside of our time? It tells us that when we are connected to the historical church, we are connected to a range of interests that are wholly unlike our own by our natural proclivities, right? And so it it is so valuable to dig into what these men talked about because they are going to be concerned with things that, quite frankly, we were not concerned with, Um, at least not on our own, not in general. Uh, I remember picking up uh, Francis uh, Grimke's um, address, I think, at the turn of the century or no, it was right before the the First World War. And it's it's most of it's a, a political speech that he actually gives, I think, in in a church setting in either a worship service or some kind of other uh, corporate gathering, and it's it's totally different than anything that I would expect to read coming out of a Presbyterian pulpit, but it's not altogether inappropriate in many of the things that he's he's critiquing the government on in terms of their involvement in World War One or lack thereof, and I think I read, on, I read it on Log College Press, and it was just very interesting. So reading outside of our time and reading authors we wouldn't naturally or, or just in a happenstance way, come across is really valuable because we learn about some of their interests, even if we don't share them, even if we're not as concerned with them. Now, in the case of preaching, uh, labors in a rural church, Presbyterianism, and, and historical watershed moments like the Synod of Dort, I hope we're interested in those things, and I hope reading this material would make us interested in it. That was part of the motivation in, in for Greenville Seminary to commission uh, the work of republishing Samuel Miller's introduction to the Synod of Dort, which Log College Press did a fantastic job curating for us uh, with, with a wonderful introduction from Harrison Perkins and endorsements from, uh, from friends of the seminary and, and colleagues at other schools. And we were thrilled to give that away to our 360 or so uh, attendees who registered for our conference and came through. So who knows what we'll commission for next year. So make sure you put on your calendar March 10th through 12th, the Greenville Seminary Spring Conference. Uh, it will be on the church. And who knows, we might give away another commission work from Log College Press. So surely you'll want to be there and surely you'll want to, uh, to get your hands on whatever material we can include in the attendee bags. Anyway, there's my, there's my plug. <laughs> um, <laughs> Caleb, when you tell us that there are t- over 2,900 titles from over 500 authors available on the website, the first question that comes to mind is, who is the most prolific author on the Log College Press? Whose name will we see again and again and again as we browse through your digital archives? We just crossed 100 works by Samuel Miller, 
so he would certainly be one of the most prolific. Other than than Samuel Miller, uh, the other probably most prolific authors would have been William Swan Plummer, uh, William Sprague, uh, a man named Henry Jackson Van Dyke, uh, another gentleman, I want to say his last name was Russell. Uh, the, the site's so big that uh, I don't even know everything that's on it. <laughs> uh, and obviously I haven't read everything on the site. Uh, it, it certainly uh, is proof positive Ecclesiastes 12.12 12, uh, of the writing of many books. Uh, the writing of many books is endless. Um, and so there's so many things out there uh, that we are finding, that we're discovering, and uh, there's more you know, every day. I mean, this could be a full-time job. Obviously, we're just doing it on the side, having fun, but it's, uh, it is, it's amazing all the things that have been published in American Presbyterian history uh, that have been forgotten. And it, it's humbling because it makes you realize that things that are published today will be forgotten. Uh, and, and yet, uh, given the beauty of technology and God's providence and all the great uh, gifts that he's given us technologically, we're able to access those things, you know, with the click of a button. So it's a great time to be alive. You know, I'm just scrolling through the page here containing dissertations and papers. And some of these are just fascinating. Some of them I recognize. Like, I see Dr. Barry Waugh's dissertation on here. We have that in our library, and, uh, and, and Dr. Waugh lives locally here. We've, I've spoken to him about his dissertation uh, and on a, on a sentence in the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter right. 24, section 4. And then, um, you know, I see Travis Fentiman's work here on Girardeau and Doctrine of Adoption. I see Alan Strange's work here on the Doctrine of the Spirituality of the Church from Mid-America, Reform Seminary's journal, and, and a bunch of papers, dissertations, and theses uh, from even secular universities on Southern Presbyterianism and the development of American Presbyterianism, generally speaking. And I mean, th- this is this is really important stuff for for getting uh, grounding in the secondary literature uh, surrounding an, a very important uh, part of American Presbyterian history. Uh, and I was describing it the other day. In the 19th century, American Presbyterianism was the theological driving force of American Christianity in many ways, in a way that it no longer is. Um, certainly, right. uh, American Presbyterians have a disproportionate influence in, in American Christianity. Um, certainly, we have a disproportionate representation in American Christian scholarship, but it's not like it once was. And these guys were really operating at a time when American Presbyterianism was at the apex of American Christian intellectual thought. As well as operating at a time when there was no internet, very few distractions. And so that's part of why their works are so rich and so thoughtful. Uh, but you mentioned the secondary material, and that's that's one of the things that we'd love to see grow on the site. Uh, we have a a secondary source bookstore where we're trying to find all the things that have been published um, and just put links to Amazon uh, with those. But then you mentioned the uh, dissertation page and the thesis page. It's a little bit harder to get access to those documents because of copyright uh, issues. Obviously, the the old books, you know, are all out of copyright. They're all in the public domain, so it's no problem to put those on the site. But uh, I'd love to have as many. Uh, as of uh, those journal articles or uh, theses or dissertations that have been written on Presbyterianism uh, so that researchers and students of the period can go and uh, can, 
can have access to those works uh, as well. That, that reminds me, one of the things that we've just started recently, you'll see on the, the, the website, is called Log College Review, uh, sort of a nod to the Princeton Review and the Southern Presbyterian Review. Uh, I, I'd love to, to have folks who have a desire to write you know, sort of short form scholarship, you know, 500 to 2,000 words on some Presbyterian historical topic or biography or theological issue or a book review. Uh, you know, we welcome anyone who'd like to send me a submission uh, can, can do that. Uh, and, and we've published several, um, you know, just folks who have an interest in this period, but maybe don't want to write a, an article long enough to get published in a major uh, journal, or maybe they know that they never could get published in a major journal, but they still have an interest in writing uh, on this topic. We, we'd love to, to sort of be a, a platform, you know, for, for even some original, you know, scholarship uh, in, this, in this area. Uh, and so, so who knows, that, that's kind of just been something that we started. It's moved slowly, uh, but it's, it's been fun to see some of the submissions uh, that have that have come in, and and I'd love to to see those uh, only increase. Yeah, these are really valuable, and and the word count's not too high, so you could even dip in to this section of the website and you know read a few hundred words and really come away having learned something that almost surely you didn't know before. Uh, I'm looking right now at an article posted just a, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, February 23rd from my friend Chris Hutchinson, who's a senior pastor of Grace Presbyterian Church in Blacksburg, Virginia, and he wrote an article on R.L. Dabney on the attractions of popery and, and applying it, uh, applying Dabney's critiques of, uh, of the church in his day to some of the, uh, some of the abuses and misuses of worship in, in our own day. And, and I think that's a, that's a really incisive uh, correspondence to draw and, and, a, and a helpful uh, relation to make uh, as far as as far as we are concerned with reforming the worship of our church according to the Word of God, and so you know I, I commend I commend logcollegepress.com to our listeners. I can't commend it heartily enough. And if you want a taste of Presbyter- American Presbyterian history in the flesh, so to speak, or in the brick and mortar, I guess would be more appropriate. Then I I, I want to remind our listeners they've heard me plug this uh, offering from the seminary pretty much every other podcast episode. I feel like I'm, I'm, in, I'm giving a plug for this, but th- this one, it's particularly, um, it's particularly uh, useful and relevant. But each year in January, we have an American, uh, or we have a Presbyterian Church history course taught by none other than Dr. Nick Wilborn, and that includes a tour of Columbia and a tour of Charleston. But this summer, we're actually doing a course that could be called the Log College Press Course. It is American Presbyterian or Presbyterian Theology in the American 19th Century. And so we'll do the tours of Columbia and Charleston like we do, but all of the lectures, instead of going from Calvin and Knox through Scottish Presbyterianism with Chalmers and the Erskine brothers and the Merrill controversy into American Presbyterianism and tracking pretty much with the main line of American Presbyterianism through to the present. Instead, we'll be laser focused on American Presbyterian theology in the 1800s and bleeding over a little bit. So let's call it the long 19th century, bleeding over a little bit into the late 1700s and early 1900s. So we'll be looking at some of the men we've named, uh, Palmer, Giroudot, Thornwell, Dabney, but also W.G.T. Shedd in New York and Charles Hodge and, and all of the Princetonians like Miller and the other Hodge and Alexander. 
And we'll also be looking at some of the controversies that racked the, the southern and northern churches, like the new school, old school controversy, controversy on boards and agencies in the church, uh, controversy on evolution, and particularly Professor Woodrow's presence in Columbia, and, and, and the overtures that were made to him from Princeton, very interesting personal dynamics there. And, uh, and we'll talk a bit about the, the development of old Princeton towards the end of that long 19th century. In any case, if you're interested in that class, it's running from August 5th through uh, 9th this year. And please contact the seminary if you'd like information. You can audit it for just, uh, I think, $60. If it, I think it's a two-credit class, so you just audit it for $60, and um, you're responsible for your lodging and your travel and everything else, but it really is well worth the time. And, and who doesn't want to walk around Columbia and Charleston in the middle of August? I mean, it is like the place to be, people. So um, we, we invite you, if you have an interest in Log College Press, I think this would be right up your alley. Thanks for that infomercial, Caleb. I hope that wasn't too too much of an interjection into our interview. So we've talked a little bit about what y'all have done and uh, what, what is on the horizon? What are you working on now that, that you, that you want to tell our listeners about to kind of whet their appetite and, and, and maybe get them salivating a bit for uh, Log College Press work in the future? Well, uh, assuming I can uh, sell the, the current inventory uh, to have money to print some more books, uh, some of the ideas on the horizon uh, Samuel Miller on Presbyterianism uh, would be something I'd love to uh, to publish. Uh, William Plummer, one of his most original works, was written on the impeccability of Christ. Uh, it's a great little volume. Uh, I'd love to uh, publish Gerardo's Catechism, unless uh, Dr. Wilborn beats me to it. Um, Matthew Anderson, uh, African American Presbyterian, wrote a book entitled Presbyterianism and the Negro. Uh, very encouraging. Uh, just look at, at his ministry, um, and then there are other ideas. Uh, you know, biography. One of the first uh, African American Presbyterian, John Gloucester, uh, up in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I've, there are so many inaugural addresses. We published William Swan Plummer's two inaugural addresses at Western Seminary and Columbia Seminary. Uh, but those inaugural addresses are are really neat and valuable. I don't know if they'd all be you know worthwhile to publish in hard copy. Uh, but another idea that I've thought about that would be fun is kind of mining the General Assembly minutes for the pastoral letters. Uh, some of those pastoral letters that are hidden away uh, in the, the old minutes are rich uh, spiritual food. Uh, and so I, I've thought about something like that. Uh, so definitely more uh, ideas than time or money, uh, but it's a, a, fun, a fun little hobby to get to, to play with and, and hope it's a, a blessing to the church. Thank you, Caleb. I, I think Log College Press has been a great blessing to the church just in the short time that it's been around, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lord will continue to do with it through your labors, through Andrew's labors, Zach's labors, and labors of many others who are who are now invested time and energy and intellectual uh, thought and capacity into this um, into this project. And and who knows? I might um, I might throw you know some words uh, your way and see if they're if they're worth anything at all. And I recommend our That'd listeners. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I recommend our listeners to do the same. If you have an interest in retrieving some of the richness, the, the treasure that, that's in the hills of American Presbyterianism, then, then please 
take up and read, or I guess we have to come up with a new phrase because a lot of this is digital. Click through That's and right. read <laughs> on uh, on Log College Press. Dot com and if you find something that's worth writing about then then you know sit at your computer you don't have to write a lot 500 words and you can make a valuable contribution to brothers and sisters around the world who are uh, looking at this website and who are receiving the emails and benefiting and growing in grace and godliness as a result of of the work of these dear brothers Caleb thank you for your time I really enjoyed it and I look forward to uh, seeing you at PCA General Assembly if not before brother thank you Zach I appreciate you letting me uh, share a little about Log College Press and uh, it's uh, Greenville Seminary has been a rich encouragement and blessing uh, to the church as well so I'm thankful for God's work uh, there and and I hope that uh, we can continue to, to partner together and and that uh, the folks that listen to the podcast will definitely take advantage of the, the free materials there uh, on the website. And, and if there are any ideas of uh, PDFs that you don't see on the website, we'd love to know about them and to be able to upload them. Uh, so you know, folks can contact me through the, the website there. Uh, my, my email address is uh, Caleb, C-A-L-E-B, at logcollegepress.com. They can certainly contact me there as well. Um, so I really appreciate you uh, letting me come on your podcast. Absolutely, brother. Anytime you have something worth saying, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, please visit www.gpts.edu.